Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome into the Take Command podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And Logan, we are recording this portion of the podcast at about 7.15 Tuesday evening. So yes, we are reacting to the news that Scott Turner has been fired as the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. We recorded an entire separate 45-minute podcast earlier today. And if you're listening to the entire episode, uh, now this episode is going to be about 65 minutes, uh, I'm guessing. We're planning on going about 20 minutes here. Um, but just so you know, when you hear the podcast kind of start over in about 20 minutes, that is why. So uh, we reacted to everything Ron Rivera said this morning, uh, and everything Martin Mayhew said this morning, looked back at the game tape of Sam Howell. All of that stuff is coming as promised and expected, Logan. But we do now turn our attention to the breaking news. Scott Turner relieved of his duties, fired, uh, parting ways, whatever you want to you want to say. Uh, he is out after three years as the offensive coordinator here in Washington. Uh, his def- here his offense is uh, finished bottom third in the NFL every year in the two major statistical categories of yards and points. And this year they finished 26th scoring offense despite having really fantastic skill position players. And I think at the end of the day, that and the inability to – get consistent quarterback play uh, leads to his demise <clears throat> amongst a lot of other factors. Yeah, no doubt. What was the exact wording? Did they say he's fired or has there been an official release? Uh, I don't think there was like an official okay. wording type of thing on that. More of just like the, I, I, I let him know that we were parting ways, which I when, you. when you part ways and your employer decides it, that means you got fired. 
Right. Uh, so first, let me just say, like, anytime anybody gets fired, like, that's a tough deal in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, I've been cut a couple times, which is basically the same thing, getting fired. Only for me, I had no guaranteed money. At least he's got some, some money guaranteed. Yeah, he signed an extension last nice. offseason. Um, you know, but, like, you know, to him and his family, like, I hope they land on their feet. I hope they kind of get through this time okay. I know that could be really challenging. Um, but, yeah, I think we all kind of knew something was going to happen. Uh, this seemed like the most likely thing that was going to happen. Uh, you mentioned the other things. You know, obviously, you know, we talked about it earlier or later. However, the, this is this is going on the show. But, you know, we're starting field position in the league, poor quarterback play, you know, relatively poor offensive line play, eight different quarterbacks in his time here. Like a lot of things working against Scott. And I think it's important to acknowledge those things because it's not that Scott is terrible. I do think, you know, you and I both agree that there were some things that he could have improved on and things that would have helped the offense and things that maybe would have elevated the guys at the quarterback spot and put them in better positions to be successful. But I think it'd be an oversimplification to say that it was all Scott. Like this team is offensively is far from perfect. And there's some things that they need to get addressed this off season. Um, but like I said, I think this is something that, um, given the kind of collapse that they went through, um, and especially the offensive kind of lack of production during that period, this was probably the writing was on the wall in some capacity. If it was this or hiring some type of consultant, pass game coordinator, run game coordinator, whatever it was, there needed to be a change. And this is the direction Ron chose to go. So I think there's two main things at play here that I want to dive into. One is... All the other factors that we can talk about are valid and they are symptomatic of an organization that offensively has struggled for the entirety of Ron Rivera's tenure uh, for a, again, wide variety of reasons. Uh, but if you evaluate the job that Scott Turner does with the circumstances, I think it's also not great. Uh, so right. let, me, let me say this. It's definitely not great. I think the, you can make a pretty good argument. It's not even good. And, and right. once you're at that level, um, Scott can certainly hem and haw about, oh, well, if we had just done this and that and the other thing, it's like, okay, well, how'd you do with the circumstances you were dealt? Because if he just can figure out how to get more production out of the very skilled players that he has, uh, if he can continue to do the things that are successful instead of getting away from them, something that frustrated players, as we learned in the piece that Sam Fortier wrote over the weekend. Um, you know, if, if he can be on the same page as the head coach in terms of an identity, then maybe he still has a job. And and the reasons why he still has the job are all those other reasons. And it's like, hey, Scott's doing the best he can, but they got to they gotta get him some help. And that's not the case here. Right. I, I think Scott is, I mean, maybe Scott's doing the best he can, but Scott's not doing the best that someone can. And not even just like Kyle Shanahan, someone, mm -hmm. I think uh, an above average, which is what you want, mm -hmm. uh, offensive coordinator. The lack of consistency, I think, is an enormous problem. And then I think the other part of it, and I know you popped on with Grant and Danny today uh, on the phone, and, and I saw someone tweet out this quote from you of like, I don't think there were, that he was on the same page as Ron. And mm -hmm. I very much was on this on that page with you. Hey, yeah, look at this. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. You know, but like I said that on my show as well. Like, and even before the news came down today, I thought the most one of the most important things that came out of that morning press conference was Ron talking about. Um, you know, we found this identity in the middle of the season, mm -hmm. and by that point, it was too late for Carson. I think he's a lot like internally. I think Ron's probably thinking about Brian Robinson, but really, what he's talking about is like the play calling in. Yeah. Um, 
the way Scott called the game, and then they went away from it. And mm -hmm. so the fact that they go away from it, and there's so many games where Ron's just like, well, I wish we would have run the ball a little bit more. And, and like part of me is like, hey, buddy, you're the head coach. Like you can you can demand that. But also the lack of ability to stay focused kind of from Scott, I think ultimately leads to his demise. Yeah, I think that's a big I think that's a big factor. I think just and I, I think it's even a little bit more nuanced than that, because I did at times. I think we both felt at times that Scott did a good job you know, identifying runs that this offense was good at. And I don't know if that's Scott. I don't know if that's Randy Jordan. I don't know if that's Matt Scott who kind of pinned in on those duo counter, you know, gap scheme runs that they seem to gravitate towards in a nice way. I think the thing that I found kind of the most, like my biggest gripe, if I had to like distill it down to one thing, was that they did a good job getting to those plays. But then after that, there was no, it didn't seem to be like a plan. There, there seemed to be kind of this, um, you know, it was like, uh, what is that oil and water like yeah pass game run game and you know in good offenses and offenses that i've been a part of they are they're 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 melded together in a way that this offense was not so i felt like scott had a vision for this offense which was more spread the football out throw the football drop back stuff and i feel like when ron was kind of like we're going to run the ball more he was on board with that but there was no marriage of the pass game to the run game from a formation from a philosophy from a play pass standpoint, which I think gave it kind of this stilted feeling at points in the year. And again, that's not entirely on Scott. Again, that's, 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 I don't know if Scott kind of fully understood Ron's vision for the team. And I think like you mentioned this before, like, you know, Ron's the president, he's, he has a lot of say in personnel decisions. He's building a team to fit a certain identity. You need your coordinator to, to, to own that, right. To kind of be a part of that. And I'm, and I'm not sure if, um, if it ever got to that, to that same level of connection. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that that's the thing is, is in addition to the, to the running stuff, um, it, it is just like, there was no, no stacking of plays. And that was something that I found very, very confounding and very frustrating because there were times where it was beautiful, man. You couldn't have called better oh, sequences. Yeah. You know, the first half of the Atlanta game was fantastic. I mean, he called a really awesome game that game. The second half of the second Giants game, the, pretty much the whole game of the first Giants game, just his ability to kind of find these moments in these rhythms, which looked great, married up, fantastic. And then, you know, like we said, he'd kind of go away from those things. And it just seemed like it didn't make sense as to why he was doing that. Um, yeah. Well, and also, like, are you maximizing even the stuff that you are doing, right? So yeah. in the Cleveland game, and this is data from Sam's article in the post, uh, courtesy of our friends at True Media, when the commanders were in 12 or 13 person, oh, I should say 12 or 13, because some of them might've been 22. When they were in two or three tight end sets, yeah, they ran the ball on 21 of 26 plays. Right. And especially when your tight ends are these guys, it's not like you're, you're not, you know, not like it's you and John Bates out right. there. You know, mm -hmm. these are guys that are known as pass catchers or were thought to be pass catchers. Uh, it's Cole Turner, it's Logan Thomas, and obviously Bates is in there some as well. Um, but even Bates has shown his ability as a receiver, as you did during your career times. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's not like just because you go heavy personnel that you're stuck in this incredibly run necessary personnel because you got a bunch of dudes out there who can't catch. It's not what we're talking about. Like you can get in that personnel and spread it out, or you can get in that personnel and even play action off of it. Like mm -hmm. they just didn't do that enough. And that was what made it so frustrating, by the way, to watch them do that finally in the Dallas game. They get in that full house pistol formation and mm -hmm. you're like, wait, now you're just throwing deep? 
Yeah. You're, you're actually, you're subverting expectations. Yeah. You are, they didn't even play action. They just yeah. was like straight drop back, but they did it out of heavy personnel. And, and the defense is like, wait, what? And you get big plays off of it. And they create one-on-one -on -one matchups that we'll talk about later in the podcast when we review house tape. So like the idea that you can do this stuff and you clearly understand its value, but can't or didn't or won't, whatever, whatever verb is supposed to go there, um, it didn't happen during the season with the frequency that good offenses have and thus you did not get the production of a good offense is the reason that you are ultimately shown the door, uh, in, in my opinion, is because Scott understands all these things. He's very smart. But as as I, I go back to the Greg Olson thing on the broadcast this weekend, like he's so creative that sometimes he outsmarts himself. And then sometimes it's just like gets in the rut because it seems like he's got an idea on, in his head and he cannot get to the next step of the idea, which gets back to what you were talking about, about stacking plays, sequencing, mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah, and I, I agree with everything you said. I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, those are those are the things that I find kind of bothersome, just generally about about the whole thing. And you know, even I, I will say, like in the in the Cleveland game, there was an opportunity for him. He, they did call some play action, but I think what we're talking about is he calls play action out of a formation that they have not been in, right? It's like, why would you do that? Call it out of the stuff you've been running the football out of. And again, there you try to maybe outsmart yourself a little bit, get to something you don't like. And again, you got to mess with protections. I understand that, but those are those are the things that were that were frustrating. And you know, in this in the um, in the San Francisco game, you're on play 28 before you call any type of play action pass. Right. Again, like that probably should have happened earlier because not only are you are you opening up the pass game, but you're also protecting your running game. Like if you're just running the fo football out of running formations. Defenses will key up and tee up on that. You need to give them something else to think about. And the play pass is one of those things. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about Kyle. We talk a lot about Sean. We talk a lot about Kevin O'Connell. They do a great job of, of again, insulating your their runs with play action pass concepts that put the guys in excellent positions to be successful. And I, and I think that that is, that's really the crux of, of, of my, my main criticism of Scott is that that never really happened. And, um, and when it when it did happen, he did a masterful job of it. So obviously he was capable of it. It just wasn't with the same consistency. And also I think it's important to note that when the players get irritated like this, I think everyone talked about all oh, the players, the players, the players. I think a little bit of it's the time of year it's happening. They're on a losing streak, all this stuff. But I also think it's important to recognize that if he's lost that locker room, Scott, if he's if he's lost the confidence yeah. of the locker room. Um, which again, Ron went around and talked to all the players. I'm sure he talked to players about Scott and I'm sure yeah, this decision was not come to lightly. Um, if he's lost the locker, you have to move on. Like, even if he was, even if he was showing signs of progression, if Sean has lost the offense, but much like a head coach loses the team, a transition needs to be made. And so irrespective of any kind of bright spots Scott had, I think those relationships that were there that were not, that, that we're obviously souring is obviously a huge factor in this as well. Definitely. And and it should be noted the respect that Ron has for Scott and his family, right? Cause right. Ron's Ron's career, I don't say a save because I, Ron was pretty well thought of for what he did in Chicago uh, before Lovey Smith ultimately fired him, like basically yeah. right after the Super Bowl. And they, they go to the Super Bowl and then Ron's Ron's looking for a job and who hires him North Turner. 
Right. And then Ron has a really great run in San Diego and then ultimately gets the Carolina head coaching job off of that, winds up bringing Norv back around. Scott was already on his staff, but he brings in Norv as the OC. Scott's the quarterback's coach. And then when they come here, uh, Scott gets elevated to the OC. So like, there's a lot of respect and family. And like, look, there's a there's a nepotism conversation that can be had all about not just this situation, but a lot of the NFL um, for on a different podcast. Who knows? Maybe that'll be an off-season topic. Nepotism in the NFL. I'm sure that'll do great uh, in terms of the numbers. But, you know, the there is like a human element to the connection here. Right. And this was, this was certainly not an easy decision by Ron Rivera. Um, even if the football decision felt easy, like on a human level, this is a tough decision and it's a tough day because someone lost their job. And, you know, uh, I'll give Scott this too. Like when Norv was the head coach here, Scott kind of grew up here a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, he wasn't here for that long, but you know there were I mean? some, some of his really formative years and he's talked about this. We're here. Like Scott right. considers himself a native of this area and growing up in Ashburn as his dad was the head coach of the Washington franchise. And, you know, that's... That's a pretty big bummer to know that he's like this is this probably closed the door on him ever coming back here. Um, you know who knows where Scott's career goes from here. Everyone's gonna be like, "What would he come back as?" Um, you know, but he's 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 probably done here, and that that's probably a bummer for him personally. But that's the business. Uh, you know, you have players who have great careers go on to coach for the same organization, and then it can turn ugly in in that way. Like yeah. this happens. This happens a lot, um, and so he. He gave it his best, and and now here we are. And then uh, in the last five minutes here, Logan, that begs the question, like, where do they go from here? What kind of coordinator do you think takes this job? And also, like, do you think this is a good job? Because I have gone back and forth on this, and I don't know that I'm settled on an answer, and I don't know that I will settle on an answer because there's a lot of factors at play here. Yeah, there are a lot of factors. I think the biggest one looming over the decision is the fact that it's like one year. It's a one-year opportunity, right? If you If you're good... And you win some games, it becomes a two-year thing. But really, you're signing up for a year. Right. So you because Rivera's of, going into the final, or not, sorry, the final. Fourth or fifth year, and new owner is coming. New, uh, yeah, I think, and that's the thing. So he's going to get a year because of the ownership transfer and how things are going to shake out. Um, at least that's the thought anyway. Uh, and I think that makes it not that appetizing of a job, I think, for a lot of people. I think you're going to need to find the right type of guy who's got a family situation that's flexible, who's looking for an opportunity to kind of move up. And to to kind of capitalize on a situation so not great from that standpoint it'll probably be someone ron knows and has a lot of familiarity with already because i think and also you want to get somebody who's a little bit more traditional in their offensive uh, approach in terms of kind of a run first uh run second kind of kind of deal which is a little bit more rare now obviously there's guys like stefanski that do that the the atlanta crew is great at doing that someone from that tree the arthur smith tree would be I think a nice thought for here, um, Tennessee, they just fired their OC, but you know, obviously there's some position coaches there, maybe the O-line coach, someone like that, someone who yeah. is going to fall in line with the philosophy, someone who understands deeply the marriage of running to pass concept, right? Can kind of, because again, like, and I mentioned a couple outside zone coaches there. One of the reasons teams like outside zone for play pass is because it helps with the play pass protections. Unlike right. some of these gap scheme runs and counters, which are become a little bit more challenging from a play pass standpoint. So that would be my initial thought. You're going to need someone who's very hungry, someone who's looking kind of to take whatever opportunity or someone who's a little bit on the desperate side for, for this, for this position. I actually wonder if Todd Downing, the OC in Tennessee is a name that winds up popping up. Um, yeah. I think because that would like, be... Hey, we trust him that he's going to run and he turned around and gave it to Henry a hundred thousand times a season. It yeah. felt like, 
but they also like manufactured offense at times when it didn't feel like they had a lot of skill talent. Um, and also were kind of under, I mean, he, they, those guys, I mean, look, it was LaFleur and then it was, uh, Smith and then it was downing, but like the re- resurgence of Tannehill there is pretty impressive considering what he was his final year in Miami. Right. But I do think that that philosophy, that perspective, that vision of what NFL offense is, matches up with Ron's vision. And I think that's good. Now, <clears throat> is this a good job from a skill position standpoint? Yes. Is it a good job from an offensive standpoint? I would say not yet. And what I mean by that is they need to do some heavy, heavy lifting with regards to the offensive line. If that if that's who you want to be, if that's what this team is, you really, 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 really need to go out and just find some absolute dogs. If you look at Atlanta, for example, I think this is a really good example of because of, they embrace kind of this run-first approach, right? right? You have four first-round players on that team. They have invested heavily in that offensive line because the most significant factor in running production is offensive line efficiency. And right now, <clears throat> excuse me, the offensive line isn't there yet. I think they they showed signs of it, but you need to upgrade on those in those areas. So um, I think, you know, probably an offensive lineman in the first round, maybe a big free agent, and probably a guard or a tackle in the later rounds, something to flush this out that makes you feel really confident you can run the ball 30 times a game versus any front. So those are some things that I think make the job instantly more appetizing if you're willing to make that investment. And I do think the coordinator is going to have a big say in those picks. So, Right. So here would be my appetizing argument. If you liked Hal coming out, yeah. you know, you got him. So that, that, and there are certainly going to be coaches that are like, I got a kid with a huge arm who can run in a quick release that seems to have some moxie to him. I could do worse. Right. Um, and that's my floor. I could do worse. Um, now how he would pick up a new offense and all that kind of stuff is, is obviously an interesting thing, but you know, that's going to be anybody who comes in, um, and, and potentially any new quarterback. I did have a caller today say, what about Frank Reich? And that lets them keep Wentz. And I was like, please God, no. Um, but it was kind of a funny thought. Um, he's a good coordinator. I mean, no, I mean, I, 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 am more, let me put it this way. I'm more, we'd be more excited about Reich than I would if that meant that, (laughs) um, all due respect to Carson, but, uh, the other side of this, like, if you want someone who's a bit of an opportunist, potentially, could you say, I'm going to go in there, this offense is going to cook, the owner is going to like me better, yep. and I can take over for Ron in a year. And that's why, like, I, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be Ron's guy, but, like, someone like that, where Cliff might look at it as, like, I could probably learn some stuff from Rivera, mm-hmm. and either I could be the head coach there, or it goes so well that Rivera stays... And then I get to jump somewhere else. Right. So, like, I do think if there's any other coaches that wind up on on the availability block uh, that fit that profile, that could be an interesting thing. I mean, hilariously enough, like someone like Jay Cruden, um, yeah. if he wanted to get back into it, obviously that's not going to happen here for a million reasons. Um, but like that that profile of former head coach looking for a really, rebound year, yeah, yeah. and especially if they can bring in someone as kind of an heir apparent. Um, that might be appealing to Ron as well, because I do think if you're, if you're a coach, you can look at this as a really high ceiling opportunity potentially. Um, and whether you bounce to head coach here or bounce to head coach somewhere else, um, there is that possibility because of the skill position guys, you do get a lot of autonomy, which is nice. Um, and the other thing that, um, I'm trying to remember who brought this up today. It might've been standing. It might've been JP. 
Um, no, it was JP uh, when he was on the show with me uh, on 980. He said, the thing that these conversations always need to start with is there's only 32 jobs. Right. But there's actually less than that that have play calling responsibilities. Yeah. Because if you're Wes Phillips in Minnesota, you're the OC, but you're, Kevin's calling the plays. Yeah. You know, there's been Rams coordinators that have dealt with this with Sean. Um, you know, that was the, yep. the situation with Sean and Jay here. And then Sean actually got the play calling duties and left and Jay took him back. Um, so around the league, like 20 of these jobs to 18 of these jobs, like are we talking half 16 of these jobs actually have play calling responsibilities? And this is right. going to be one of them. So right. there are appealing elements, but the lack of a quarterback, the O-line needing to be built and the precarious situation around the coaching staff and ownership are certainly things that are probably negatives. Yeah. Could you see someone sees those things as opportunity? Sure, but I think those are more than likely going to keep the top-level candidates away. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I, I totally agree. But I, I do think they're looking for – they're going to have a very specific type of person they're looking for here. And I think that's important to understand. They're going to be looking for someone who's maybe not – from the you know like kind of the traditional trees i think the arthur smith tree if i was ron i would be looking very hard at what they're doing down there because that's the best running football team in the nfl this year yeah. and again we talked about the the skill they have on the offensive line but you know they they figured out a way to use kyle pitts in that offense as a receiver you have two young receiving tight ends like there is a that seems like a natural fit so i would kind of comb that tree over um, see if there's a quarterback or an offensive line guy there that you could bring up here. And uh, you'll, it'll be interesting to see how that clashes with Matt Scow. And, and it'll be also be interesting to see if if this coordinator gets some autonomy to bring some pieces with him. Um, you right. know, because right yeah, now it looks I, like, I'm curious to see what kind of staff changes come in the next couple of days for right. other, other positions. Right. So um, I guess that's something to keep an eye on, really. And uh, yeah, so. Is it is it an appetizing job? No, but I think they I think they're fortunate to be looking for someone very specific, and I think there's those coaching trees while very good uh, don't always pop out the most. Like it's not like a Kyle tree or a Sean tree, right? It's mm. Arthur Smith has been very kind of deliberate about his stuff. Someone from there, maybe who knows? Yeah, no, it's a good thought. Obviously, if someone from Kyle's tree is available, that's always worth a look. Um, it is interesting. Uh, his last coordinator hire was Del Rio. I mean, obviously Scott, but then Del Rio was on television. Um, that's where yeah. Jack was doing ESPN stuff the year before. Um, and he had, oh, he had had some really good. So leave uh, a comment of the current analysts. Yeah. Of the current analysts, everyone's going to be like Orlovsky. No, no, here's, here's honestly what everyone's going to get. I was debating whether to do this. Logan, are you going to be the next offensive coordinator? <laughs> these, these are the days. This is the reason why I don't do it. This kind of stuff. Yeah. Honestly, like this is just too like well that and the the two a.m. days where you don't see your kids. Yeah, though I mean this is but this is another piece as to why because like at least I can I'm pretty secure in my position and not that they would even hire me like I'm the like the least qualified person for this. No, it could I mean it'd be pretty funny if they were like Ron was like funny. hey uh, all right new OC got in all right uh, by the way you should go over to the media section and talk to Paulson I think he could be a good <laughs> assistant tight ends coach. Yeah, there you go, boom. Uh, all right, look at that. So. Next, the rest of the podcast, the thing we yep. recorded this morning when we thought that that was what we were going to be talking about today. But I yep. uh, hope you got some more insight out of this, and uh, we'll see you on Friday, although that's something I'm going to tell you again in 45 minutes. Celebrate. 
celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.